We are supported by FNX Fit. FNX is a workout and supplement company that is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality. FNX has high quality protein powders, creatine, and pre-workout supplements. FNX has also got amazing workout gear such as tees and tanks, an essential joggers line, and of course, shaker bottles. Not only is FNX Fit selling great products, but they have an even better message. FNX has launched their live program. With every FNX order, they are donating a portion of each product bought and helping deliver clean drinking water in countries of need. Go to the special link in the description below and use our promo code DREWCODE15 to get 15% off your purchase when you use our link. And don't forget, we become greater when we rise together. this week of Drew Code. Uh, Drew is unable to join me in this recording, and that's just because the start of his basketball season is underway, essentially. Uh, they are just wrapping up their three-day tryouts that they just held, and they are basically going into full basketball mode starting, I want to say, next Thursday. So very excited for Drew. So he is unable to join me on this recording, but I got you guys covered with a brand new Drew Code episode, so no worries to that at all. Before I get started in this episode, though, please go and uh, subscribe to our podcast. It's available wherever you get your podcasts at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, uh, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you search your podcast, you can find your code sports talk. So go check us out there and also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you very much. I pretty much try to uh, cut up the podcast episodes into their own video and repurpose them on YouTube. So if you want to go check out any of our previous episodes, please go to our YouTube channel, go check them all out, share, like, comment, subscribe. That would be great. Uh, and then if you would do me a favor too, and go support our partners who help support us and that'd be SeatGeek, Fanatics, and also FNX Fit, uh, all their special links that help support us as long as well as supporting them and any special discount codes are going to be listed down below in the episode uh, description of this podcast. So I would appreciate you guys going and checking all that out and doing all that for me. Uh, and also to please go follow us on social media. Of course, that's the most important part. So um, in this episode, I'm going to be recapping pretty much a majority of uh, the week seven that we just had in the uh, NFL season. Uh, I'll also be looking ahead at week eight. I've got the top seven kind of betting picks and they're not necessarily specific betting lines or anything of that nature. They're more or less just, you know, it's against two teams. One team is favored, you know, and then you get my thoughts on, you know, if I think it's going to be over if the opposite, the opposing team has got to cover or outright win, whatever the case may be. So there's, I got a top seven for that as well. And then as everyone is kind of well aware, as the NBA has finally kicked off, the Lakers played last night, uh, Tuesday night, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. So I'll be reviewing a little bit of that, but we won't be diving too much into the NBA stuff quite yet, just because the opening night is happening right now. Like I said, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. So there's uh, some games that have already gone on around the NBA and, you know, Tuesday night started with uh, the Lakers and the Nuggets. So I'll briefly talk about that a little bit, but we won't dive too much into it. As everyone knows, the NBA is a, an extremely long season. So, you know, we'll have plenty to talk about throughout the season, but 
tonight, I'll strictly be kind of focusing more on the NFL. So without further ado, we will get started. And before actually one more housekeeping note, before I get started, I just want to shout out to uh, Drew, Coach Drew now, a.k.a. Coach Drew and a.k.a. the voice of the uh, Singer West Hornets. Shout them out and shout out also the Singer West Boys basketball program. We got invited to a uh, tip-off dinner for the team. Uh, basically, it was a, a dinner where uh, you know, you'd go and support the team. We got to hear from Coach Spillman, kind of uh, talk about the program and the growth of it, and also got to meet the other coaches that are helping run the program, including Drew, who's on the coaching staff there as well, and got to meet a lot of the school administrators that are basically making the program grow a little bit, and credit to Coach Spielman for uh, his endless pursuit of making that program great. And, you know, just like what Drew had said last week, where uh, there's a lot of optimism about that group of young kids that are, or young boys, I should say, that are, uh, going to be on the varsity team and, uh, they're hoping and have high hopes and aspirations, which they absolutely should. So the expectations are very high for this team. And it's very exciting to hear like what's going on with that. Drew has shared with me and their practices and all that other kind of stuff. So I just want to give a special shout out to the Sanger West, uh, boys, uh, basketball club and wish them luck on the season. They're for sure, you know, my favorite high school team that I will be rooting for. Cause I'm hoping to go and check out, uh, some of the games and, uh, to help support drew of course, and, uh, also support that program and see their success. And of course, you know, we will keep you guys updated with their progress and, uh, and everything in between. So anyways, just want to give that shout out to, uh, the Sanger West, uh, program coach Spillman drew, and also the Sanger West high school for the dinner invite. And I shared a picture in our, uh, Drew code, uh, Instagram stories. Uh, it was a fun event. Uh, I brought my wife and drew obviously brought his wife and we got to, like I said, meet a bunch of people and we ate and had a couple of beers and talked and it was, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of exciting things happening for this program. And, uh, you know, again, very proud of, uh, drew for the, uh, for the success and also the opportunity that he's getting to do something that he's literally dreamed of, which is being like a coach and helping kids and, you know, all that other stuff. So he's, he's definitely loving it. it and I can probably tell you directly, cause like I said, him and I talk about this like all the time. So anyways, okay, let's get started now. Uh, so of course I cannot begin this week seven recap of the NFL without talking about our, uh, Las Vegas Raiders first. No surprise here. I mean, obviously they had a game on Sunday. I'm like I said, I'm talking to you guys on Wednesday evening, you know, the Las Vegas Raiders lost in Chicago to the Chicago bears. Chicago was without their starting quarterback, Justin Fields. They had their undrafted rookie quarterback fill in for them in Tyson, uh, Bagheet. Uh, I'm saying that I know I'm saying that completely wrong. I think it's, uh, Bagent or Bagent, I think is how you pronounce the last name. Anyways, his dad is actually, I think it's 28 time world arm wrestling champion, Travis uh, Baguette. And uh, he's kind of going, well, not his dad's not going around social media, but there is a funny clip of him arm wrestling. One of the uh, NFL network analysts uh, when they went to, I believe one of uh, Tyson's schools that he went to, I forget which one it was called. Uh, where he had this hilarious clip where, you know, Travis basically 
had this clip where he said, you can call me daddy and, and just beat this guy in arm wrestling anyways. So his son is the one that beat the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, you know, and I did watch some of the highlights back again and looking at the game. And at first early on, it looked like Hoyer was trying to get Adams involved. Um, our run game was nowhere to be found. That was the un- only unfortunate part. And then as the game wore on, the Raiders just seemed to be more disinterested in playing in general. Um, defense looked okay, but then there was a lot of spots where defense had lack of effort, lack of heart. This whole team just kind of lacked that in general. Um, I'm just going to read off a couple of stats. This is kind of how it played out. So this is how bad the Raiders were. And I think this is what's frustrating is, and I had said this last week too, when Drew and I did Drew code uh, last week together is this winning that we've had where, you know, we beat the Patriots, we beat the Packers, um, you know, and, and granted the opening, uh, our opening game, we beat the Denver Broncos and, and granted all three of those teams are in kind of their own turmoil and, but also have had their own glimmer of success in some form or fashion. So it was kind of like when we won those games, it was giving us a, a bit of hope, but I was just saying that first off, I don't trust Josh McDaniels. I think everyone in Raider nation would agree that, you know, he's not the coach that we want that we need anymore. Uh, honestly, we're all hoping that Mark Davis will just let go of Josh McDaniels and let's put this behind us. Let's move forward. And, you know, obviously that's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen uh, after next week's game. Probably realistically, Josh McDaniels is probably around for at least the remainder of the season, uh, unless it gets worse and believe me guys, it can get worse. Um, you know, this loss that we had to the bears again, uh, where they put an undrafted rookie quarterback to start against us. And he had himself a pretty decent day. You know, uh, his stats were 21 of 29 for 162 passing yards. He had one touchdown, uh, Freeman who or excuse me, Foreman, who is the running back that is basically filling in right now. Cause the bears, other three running backs, I believe are all injured. So he started at a 16 carries. He had 89 yards plus two rushing touchdowns. Not only that, but he had three receptions for 31 yards and another receiving touchdown as well. Uh, the bears also Jalen Johnson had two interceptions on, on us, the Raiders. One of them again was a deflected pass. And then one of them was just point blank ran a better route than Adams. And he just picked that ball right off and it went for a pick six. So, um, but anyways, like what I was saying with the Raiders is it's very misleading that they won two games in a row because this team has showed us that they have no rhythm. They have no continuity. This coach does not know how to prepare for any team. Doesn't know how to get his guys ready. Can get these guys to play hard for him. And if there's ever an example of anyone remembers the Monday night football game, uh, where the green Bay Packers and the Raiders played, uh, the Raiders obviously, uh, won, that game clearly. And Max Crosby was interviewing with, I believe it was a reporter for ESPN following that. And Rich Passaccia grabbed him and wanted to say bye to him on the field. Kind of like one of those kind gestures. And just the way that Max Crosby and him embraced tells you everything you need to know about what he meant to players like Max Crosby and probably what Josh McDaniels does not mean to these Raiders players. Um, So anyways, when I was saying last week is, the winning is an illusion. Like I, 
in a way, I mean, yeah, I want us to win. No doubt. I'm a diehard Raiders fan. I want us to win. I also am not blind and not to disrespect anybody else that's in Raider nation that may be a little bit more optimistic than I am. I just try to keep my expectations a little bit more reeled in, maybe even a lean into a side of uh, pessimism just because I've seen this movie before several times. In fact, different iterations, several different sequels. I've seen it to where the Raiders uh, don't know how to have that great a success when they don't have, you know, solid leadership or they have a tumultuous locker room, whatever the case may be. In this case, like we have a lot of great players. We just have a bad coach that does not like it when his players are close. And when there's leaders in the locker room, I, he doesn't like it. Um, I believe it was in the Monday night football game uh, with, I believe it was again, the same game against the Packers. And I want to say it was one of the ESPN analysts when they were doing the pregame, they were just talking about how Josh McDaniels has a hard time having players on the team that are the leaders, quote unquote, and that have essentially a following or those that are willing to follow this great player or this player that that highly motivates them uh, more so than listening to the coach and uh, I believe I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Ryan Clark and maybe it was a different analyst. Anyways, point being is that analyst basically said that the reason why Derek Carr probably was moved or left or whatever the situation turned out where he is no longer with the Raiders is because he was one of those guys that got his guys to play hard for him, regardless of the circumstances. And they all found success together, but no matter what Derek Carr was usually the guy that was always there and always the guy that they, that the team can lean on. And Josh McDaniels doesn't like that because obviously like he, he wants to be the leadership voice, which is fine. And, but he's essentially alienating those players that also had a voice in that locker room that could help galvanize the team. Now, is that outright Josh McDaniels fault? Maybe, maybe not, but I think there is something to it where Josh McDaniels is essentially like just taking this team and shedding whatever positivity it had in it, whatever good that was in this team. And again, I just also want to be clear too. I'm kind of behind the, the Derek Carr should have been our quarterback thing. That's in the past. I don't care any longer. I hope Derek Carr finds success in new Orleans or whatever following team he plays for, for the rest of his career. I'm past that point. I think the more point that I'm on is we had a team that was essentially a playoff team. We hired what we felt was a coach that can help get us over the top. And he has failed to do that in his first season last year. He lost to Baker Mayfield, the quarterback who was, I believe signed on Tuesday, beat us on Thursday, lost to Jeff Saturday, who essentially the same thing. The head coach for the Colts, Frank Reich last season was, I believe fired week, whatever. And I believe Jeff Saturday was put in place that following Monday or that Monday that they played us and they won. We also had another embarrassing loss where I believe it was in week two last season where we had a lead against the Arizona Cardinals. Not only did we lose the lead and go into overtime, but we let Kyler Murray beat us on a literally like a Madden like play where 
all he did was scramble 40 yards down the field on the goal line, come back and then just take it into the end zone himself to beat us. So we've had numerous embarrassing losses. We've had several games where we've lost leads. Our defense looks terrible. Our offense looks out of sort. It's just, it's not working. So when we were winning, I knew this is not sustainable. When we were winning, we didn't look like a different team. We just looked like a team that just didn't make as many mistakes as the opponents we were playing. And granted, the Patriots, I'll give them as an example, beat the Bills uh, just this past Sunday. But we beat the Patriots and we lost to the Bills. So it's almost like that little who's better than who then. And it's any given Sunday, any team can get you maybe we were just one of those teams where we just got lucky against the Patriots. Now, granted the Patriots are still a hot mess. That's not changing anything, but the fact is, is the Raiders are still not a better team just because we won games where assuming we should win. But again, it was not a great game for the Raiders for Raider nation to lose to a team where in all accounts, we should have won. had our defense showed up. We should have, taking care of business offensively, you know, putting out Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell at this point, it doesn't matter. Um, Would I have liked to see Aiden O'Connell start over Hoyer? Sure. But now this is even more apparent to why Josh McDaniels is not the right coach. He started one of his guys, um, looked bad through two interceptions, put in Aiden O'Connell when the game was basically put away, which probably should have put him in a lot sooner. Uh, Aiden O'Connell scored a touchdown, but also threw a pick. So I guess it's a wash, but this team just doesn't look like it wants to, it's going out there and it's going through the motions and it's hard to watch because the expectations were so much higher than this. And we're subjected to now just bad football and nothing is more frustrating than coming into a season with a bunch of optimism and then being heartbroken because realistically this team does not want to achieve anything. And I think that's what's heartbreaking as well is I see no accountability. I see no accountability on the side of Josh McDaniels to take ownership for what's transpiring to try to change anything. Um, If this is the Patriots way, I don't want it. (laughs) I want it returned, given back. Uh, I cannot wait until Mark Davis finally lets go of Josh McDaniels and Josh McDaniels just goes back to the Patriots because clearly the Patriots need someone like Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels needs a Bill Belichick to completely, you know, hold him accountable for his job. But Josh McDaniels does not need to run an entire uh, franchise, uh, however he sees fit, because now good luck getting another head coaching job in this league with basically two stints in the same division, 10 years separated from each other. And it's almost worse than what your first go around was. So, you know, I mean, same old, same old with the Raiders. Um, It's heartbreaking. We have the Detroit lions coming up on Monday night football this uh, upcoming Monday. Um, We'll talk about that in the second part of the show where I go over the top seven betting picks, but You know, for you Raiders fans out there, you know, hang tight. I mean, I think the only thing we can hope for is that we get a high draft pick, I suppose. And hopefully we get rid of Josh McDaniels, start the new uh, hiring of of a different coach soon as well. So that way we can at least hopefully find some ray of optimism or hope. Um, 
you know, I also saw on the, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, uh, the Raiders are actively trying to get rid of Hunter Winfro. It's probably only a matter of time before he goes. And that's unfortunate because Hunter Winfro was a huge part of our team, obviously before McDaniels got there. And honestly, if he is even game planned, he probably makes our team significantly better. But of course, Josh McDaniels is allergic to any player that helps bring success to the Raiders. And I'm surprised that he hasn't shipped away jo- uh, Devonte Adams. So Anyways, we'll see. Um, we still got 10 more weeks of this, so we'll see how good or bad it gets for the remaining of the season, but you know, we'll see. Okay. Moving on to the next game. Uh, I think this probably would be labeled game of the week, but it was the Eagles, uh, against the dolphins on Sunday night football. I believe this was in Philadelphia and you know, Drew and I last week had some back and forth about who we thought what team would, would win. And, you know, Drew was on the side of the Dolphins just because of how high powered their offense was. I was a little bit more on the side of the Eagles just because the Eagles, their defense could probably neutralize some of these, um, some of these factors of this offense that the Dolphins produce and could probably to slow down this game to the point to where the Dolphins would have a hard time finding a rhythm. Um, you know, they're probably not going to get a lot of deep shots like they get on other teams. And, you know, sure enough, in the Sunday night football game, it was a pretty close game for the most part. Like there were some moments where you felt like the dolphins are probably going to break away from this. Uh, but the Eagles hung around, they made it a kind of a sloppy game, but Jalen hurts was throwing the ball very, very well. Uh, he completed 23 out of 31 passes for 279 yards. He had two touchdowns. He threw a pick though. So that's another problem where again, he's continuing to throw more interceptions than he did all of last season. So the turnover thing is a big problem for him. Cause I believe he also fumbled in this game as well. Um, him and AJ Brown though, have seemed to found this connection that is on another plane though. AJ Brown had 10 receptions for 137 yards and he had a score. Uh, uh, Dallas Goddard had five receptions of his own for 77 yards and a touchdown to a not very bad numbers. Um, not, not the greatest though, not uh, for what this offense has potential on of doing. The Eagles did a really good job neutralizing them um, and give credit to the Eagles. They came out prepared. I was saying last week that this game is potentially like a Super Bowl preview and some, uh, some others in ES in uh, NFL circles will probably say the same, that this is probably the closest to a Super Bowl matchup. We're going to see uh, in this part of the season. And it was a good test. I mean, two and not bad stats, you know, completed 23 passes off of 32 attempts. He only, he only threw 216 yards though. He had a touchdown and interception. I think what the problem was is the Dolphins run game couldn't get going combined. Mostert and Ahmed only had 11 carries for 48 yards combined. No scores, no long runs, no nothing. The run game was pretty much neutralized. Uh, Hill, of course, was doing what Tyreek Hill does. He had 11 receptions for 88 yards and a touchdown. You know, if the Eagles give up 11 receptions, you think it's for a a bunch of yards and truthfully 88 yards and one score is not bad. I think the the Eagles did pretty well at containing Hill. Obviously Hill is, is going to get several, maybe uh, short receptions. I think he did have a couple of, uh, of some, uh, you know, mid, you know, mid level uh, kind of throws going to his way that got him, you know, a little bit of movement, but for the most part, it wasn't anything crazy over the top that we've seen from previous games. 
Uh, Jalen Waddle was also pretty uh, active in this game as well. He had six receptions, 63 yards. But for the most part, the Eagles did very, very well at neutralizing this high-powered offense. Um, you know, for the Dolphins, this is the second game that they've played against, you know, a defense that's probably within the top 10 to 12 in the NFL. And they weren't able to really capitalize on that. They, you know, for the most part, looked pretty pedestrian. They couldn't really get out and run and, and have this really quick paced offense that they're used to, or that they've played with, with different teams. Um, you know, obviously with the Panthers that they had the week prior, they had, what is it? 42 points and three quarters or something ridiculous like that. Um, you know, obviously as everyone knows, the 70 points that they dropped on the Broncos, uh, early on in the season, but you know, when they went against the bills, they didn't, they couldn't get their offense going. Uh, this is another team and the Eagles that probably just got stronger too with, uh, I think they traded for, uh, a safety, um, bird from, from Tennessee. So now they got better on the, um, on the, on the past defensive side, but you know, this, this dolphins team, they're going to have to find a way to get some offense or, you know, these grind out games where it's going to be more of a slugfest than it is, you know, a shootout. They're going to have to find a way to win these games and it doesn't get any easier. I believe that they have the bills, uh, obviously later on, cause it is within their division. I believe they have the Patriots this week, um, but that one is in uh, Miami. So who knows? They play really good at home. Pats, maybe they don't have that great of a defense. Uh, although Bill Belichick is really good about taking away your number one option or whatever you're really good at. And, you know, for example, when the Raiders went against the Patriots, he completely took out Devontae Adams and granted we had Jacoby Myers, but you know, Bill Belichick was okay with letting, Myers beat him, but not Adams. So um, I can't imagine that uh, Bill Belichick won't do his best to um, to scheme to make sure that his defense doesn't give up a lot to Hill or to Tua. Maybe that run defense will uh, also slow down this Dolphins offense. Um, so we'll see. Uh, you know, also to foreshadow a little bit, Dolphins were a little banged up. Hill didn't practice today. I think Raheem Mostert didn't practice as well uh, for injury reasons. It is Wednesday, so we'll see how it goes because they don't play until Sunday. Maybe this is just a, one of those veterans days off that's kind of built into their um, to their regular season. So we, we shall see. So, okay, moving on to the next game that was in week seven. This one is a little bit more heartbreaking to talk about. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they beat the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. This was on Thursday night football. Now, listen, Drew and I may be a little biased to Derek Carr uh, for obvious reasons. Former Oakland slash Las Vegas Raider quarterback um, was with us for nine years. Obviously, that's our team. So for all intents and purposes, we were we were and are still huge car supporters and clearly uh, say still, because obviously we're rooting for him. We don't want him to not succeed. And also he's a, you know, from Fresno state, we want to make sure that our guys from Fresno state succeed, uh, and do really, really well in the next level. And, you know, drew and I believe that he has succeeded in the nine years that he was with the Raiders. Uh, some people may say otherwise, other people say he has for the most part, he's found success. Uh, I would say a couple of things that didn't a couple of things that, uh, you know, in his time with the Raiders, he's never had, he's never had a really good defense to rely on. 
He's had an O-line that was really reliable for like maybe three out of his nine seasons. For the most part, though, it wasn't the greatest offensive line. Um, you know, last season with Josh McDaniels, with Derek Carr, a lot of turmoil. Um, you know, so him with the Saints now, you would think upgraded weapons at some at some capacity, or not really upgrade, but younger weapons, uh, you know, familiar with the coach that's there with Dennis Allen, you know, defense arguably within the top 10, which Derek Carr's never had. Um, and you play in a super weak division and you have a top five running back that's happening right now. And yet in Thursday night football, uh, we saw a side of Derek Carr that I don't think we see very often where he completely let his emotions get the better of him. Obviously there's that infamous play where Chris Olave is running some sort of route. Don't know. Don't care what type of route it was. And then Derek Carr throws it out of bounds, potentially out of the play frustrated with Olave for, I guess, running the wrong route or whatever the case may be and showing a side of emotion that even when I remember when John Gruden was taken over for the Raiders, um, there were some times where Derek Carr would express frustration to John Gruden um, for a couple of seasons when John Gruden and, and Derek Carr were getting familiar with each other. And, but then towards the latter part of John Gruden's time there, and this is honestly the season where the Raiders were actually somewhat successful until the whole Henry Ruggs and John Gruden, uh, situation happened, you know, didn't really see that very much. And he looked a lot more mature, uh, Derek Carr did in that circumstance. This season, though, it's a bit of a different story. Clearly was frustrated with, I don't know if it was the play calling of his OC. Um, clearly, he was upset with Chris Olave. He was, there was just a lot of things going on with him that night where he was expressing frustration. And I was seeing that and I was kind of thinking, man, that's not a great look. And I'm only giving my perspective. I, I don't know what Drew's thoughts were about Derek Carr and the whole thing. I don't know if he'll see some justification in it or see a different point of view from it, but I'm just going to give you what my thoughts was of it. What makes this tough for me seeing this from Derek Carr is Derek Carr is upset about things that probably he had a huge part in, but is not really acknowledging now in his press conference at the end of the game, he recognized that he was out of line with his emotions. Now granted football is an emotional sport. It's got to happen. You're going to have flare ups. You're going to be upset. But I think what made this a little bit different is normally Derek Carr is about motivating, getting his guys involved, keeping them in the game of it and coaching them up, I guess, in some sense. And this didn't look like that. It looked like, I don't want to say a teardown, but whatever is next to teardown, it didn't look like he was being a great teammate. They've probably talked about this and squashed this by now, but he wasn't looking like a great leader at this. A lot of finger pointing. Not what I'm used to seeing from Derek Carr in the time that I've seen him. Also, just on it, just watching the game didn't look great. Um, you know, he was escaping the pocket when he probably shouldn't have uh, off balance throws, under throws, which granted Derek Carr probably under throws it for certain reasons. Maybe it because it gives his receiver an opportunity to go back to it, maybe draws a PI, whatever the case may be, but almost inadvertent where there's an opening. He missed it. Um, and it's not great. There were some parts of it that looks like that. I don't want to say Derek Carr is a problem, but at least he's not helping the solution. Um, and again, I don't know, maybe of course it's his first year with this team. They're getting to know him. He's getting to know, uh, the team and everybody else is trying to gel together 
it just wasn't a great look. And it's, it's hard because as Derek Carr fans, we want him to succeed. But um, it, when people are saying that he looks like he's the one holding them back and it's kind of apparent, you know, now granted this was back-to-back games where he threw like over 300 50 yards or something like that stats can sometimes be misleading. Um, you know, like how it doesn't really say how many missed opportunities Carr was late on, like, you know, how many overthrows did he have now? Granted, there's a completion and a, and an attempts stat that kind of tells you somewhat of the story, but you know, you have to dig a little deeper to see like, okay, how badly did he miss these guys? How many times was the ball not placed accurately that, you know, that, uh, some of these receivers missed. I think that's a pretty important question to ask. And if I have to be completely objective and again, as a Derek Carr fan, someone that wants to see him succeed, as I've mentioned, you know, I also have to be super objective and kind of see things the way they are. He doesn't look great. I want him to get better. I want him to be able to get through this. I want this team to kind of get through this because no offense, well, not no offense to anybody, but I did pick the saints to kind of come out of the South and right now the Falcons, which is weird, look like the best team that's there. And then maybe the Bucks look better than the Saints right now. But I would argue that the Saints have the better roster, but they're not they're not gelling. Like when like when Baker Mayfield looks like the better quarterback than you, it's hard to miss. And I'm not saying that Baker Mayfield is a scrub. I'm not saying that he can't play clearly number one overall pick, but I also believe that Derek Carr could be up there with some other quarterbacks. Like, you know, there was an argument where he was probably within the top 12 to 10 of quarterbacks in the league. And now he's not, he's in the bottom tier of that for sure. And I have no defense for that other than, you know, I hope that they get through this. I hope it's learning pains, but you know, Dennis Allen also isn't the greatest offensive minded coach. Uh, Drew made that point early on in the season where he's nervous about Dennis Allen. Maybe that plays in a part with Derek Carr, but Dennis Allen, I don't see how he would get Derek Carr to have this type of emotion to the point to where it is demeaning. It looks like unmotivating, definitely not a team leader type of stuff. So we'll see. We'll see how the saints respond. Um, I do have them as one of the teams as well on here for the second half of the show, but I just wanted to point that out for, for just all intents purposes of being objective regarding Derek Carr. The Jags ultimately won that game against the saints. Saints did not look great. And again, Derek Carr kind of looked like the reason why they weren't the greatest. Was he the sole problem? No, but like I said, he definitely wasn't a big solution to that. He, kind of was feeding into the reasoning why they couldn't uh they couldn't get over that uh that deficit and and win that game so uh this is a couple more games here that i'll talk about briefly of week seven then i'll move on to the top seven betting picks so let's see the ravens beat the lions i see a ton of espn and other analysts that are calling lions frauds i don't know if i'd call them frauds they came across a really good team. The Ravens defensively are probably just better than what we anticipated. And Lamar Jackson essentially had his MVP staple of a game, 21 of 27, 357 yards, three passing touchdowns. He also carried the ball nine times and had one rushing touchdown. So he had four total touchdowns in this game alone. 
Jared Goff did not play the greatest. He uh, completed 33 off of 53 attempts, 284 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and he was sacked five times. So his offensive line let him down, which is this is probably to the credit of the Ravens defense is the Lions offensive line was categorized as like a top five line that can go against anybody. It's supposed to be able to go against the 49ers at some point if they do face each other sometime in the season. And the Ravens front was able to get to Jared Goff five times. And I know, I think there was a bevy of like turnovers or um, just poor play calling essentially Harbaugh just out coached um, Dan Campbell, which is unfortunate. Do I think the Ra- the the Lions are frauds? I don't think they're frauds. I mean, they've had pretty good games against the Chiefs. I think they played some pretty decent competition. Is this their first season of like true success? Yeah. So they're probably new to that. But the Ravens are also like I've I've picked them to come out of the AFC North. They're a very tough team. Lamar Jackson with weapons could be absolutely scary. And you know, a lot of people will say, you know, there's Patrick Mahomes as a potential MVP candidate. I think you have to include Lamar Jackson as one of those candidates in there. Pick whatever other quarterbacks you're assuming, but I think it's probably a race between Lamar Jackson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, I guess Jalen Hurts or whoever other quarterback you want to throw in there that is maybe making their team really successful. And the reason why I say quarterback is because, let's be honest, this NFL award is a quarterback award so to include any other positions is just laughable (laughs) so anyways but uh lamar jackson had an absolute stellar game pretty much this is could be the staple of his mvp winning season and he's got other games coming up i believe he plays um who does he have coming up this I don't have the notes in front of me, but I believe they're playing another. Obviously, they're playing this weekend. No one's on a bye. So they're going to have a pretty stiff competition. So we will see how this all shakes out for the Ravens. But for sure, though, this is that was a really good win. And for the Lions, let's hope they have a rebound. Um, I believe that they're also playing against pretty tough competition this upcoming week. I think it's the Steelers, I think is who they're going against. So let's see if they can bounce back. But Definitely a great win for the Ravens uh, moving on to Indy losing to the Browns. I think everyone knows that Indy kind of got screwed by the refs on that one. Also, Deshaun Watson has an injury. I don't know if anyone's going to care about that. So I'll just move on. Uh, Chiefs dominated the chargers. Listen, I don't want to talk too much about the chargers and disrespect some, uh, some other podcast hosts that I'm friends with that are chargers fans, but you know, they also are lamenting how upset they are about how this team has been looking, how it's underachieving. Um, You know, it's tough that they did lose to a divisional opponent in the chiefs. I think by how much they lost to him is the more concerning part. And the fact that they didn't look a little bit more competitive offensively is the troubling part. But I think the chargers are probably a couple of games away from maybe Brandon Stately getting the boot and we'll see whoever the interim coaches, or maybe this is, um, you know, we'll see what transpires. Maybe the Chargers will keep stately throughout the rest of the season and just let him go on, on what's that? What's the end of the season that they call it black Monday or whatever, where head coaches are terminated from their teams that don't have success. And, uh, Brandon say will, will probably be one of those, one of those guys that, uh, is let go. So we'll see how that goes. And then Patriots shocked the bills. This one is super shocking just because how bad the Patriots played 
in previous weeks and how how high powered the bills are and yet they couldn't get past the Patriots granted in my opinion I think this is Josh Allen where he tries to do too much and for some reason just overthrows everybody or is trying to go for the home run ball all the time Um, not to give too much credit but I believe it was Clark or it was Ethan obviously the host uh, from the backseat podcast show uh, on their latest episode, they made the point that Josh Allen is like the social media quarterback. And it kind of made a really great point. And I think that they heard it from somebody else and they were, they were basically reciting that is Josh Allen looks like that social media quarterback who is kind of trying to get highlights. And it makes sense because you wonder why he makes sometimes inaccurate throws goes for the home run ball. Um, sometimes his, his um, feet aren't set when he throws. He's always thrown off balance, almost like he's doing too much. And if he just makes the right play, the simple play, you know, you don't need to go for 70 yards when you can just go for a five yard dump off and just live with the results and then go from there. And I thought it was an interesting point that I, that I'd also bring up is it makes sense. Cause like when Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen, and another player connect on a, 40, 50, 60, however long of a touchdown pass, it is circulating all through social media. Um, but I think what's not talked about too much, and maybe it's getting a little bit more notice is, you know, Josh Allen is, he's the reason why the bills are so successful, but he's also the reason that they are underachieving. Now, granted, there are some games where the defense lets him down, but let's be honest for the most part, especially this season. And I did point out last season, Josh Allen throwing these weird interceptions, turning the ball over in inopportune times that are giving the other team a chance to come back or extend the lead or blows a chance for the bills to take a game that they should win. It's kind of like a Josh Allen thing. So I just wanted to point that out that uh, we'll see how the bills kind of continue the rest of the season, but I I'm not shocked that Stefan Diggs is upset with, this situation because last season he was upset this off season. He was upset with how it is. They've kissed and made up and would not be surprised if Stefan Diggs is still not happy with the situation because again, even though Josh Allen is a huge reason for the Bills' success, he also looks like he's kind of the reason why they are not getting over the hump. So that's all I'll say about that. Code Sports Talk is supported by Fanatics. Fanatics.com is an online retailer of officially licensed sports apparel and merchandise. At Fanatics.com, you'll find the best selection of licensed merchandise for all your favorite teams and leagues. Whether you're a diehard fan or just getting into the game, Fanatics has everything you'll need from jerseys, t-shirts, hats, and more. Fanatics is committed to providing customers with the best products at the best prices. Their unbeatable selection and fast shipping make it the perfect destination for any fan. So, this season when you're shopping for all your sports gear, be sure to check out Fanatics. At Fanatics, you'll find everything you need to show your team pride and support your favorite players and teams. Head on over to Fanatics to check out the latest collections and find the perfect addition to your team spirit wardrobe. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to check out Fanatics.com for all your officially licensed sports apparel, gear, and merchandise needs. This has been Drew Code Sports Talk. See you next time time.
everybody. It's Cody with Drew Code Sports Talk. We want to give a special shout out to SeatGeek for sponsoring our podcast. SeatGeek is a ticketing app that takes the confusion out of buying tickets. SeatGeek is known for using a 0 to 10 scale when you're purchasing tickets to let you know if you're getting a good deal or a bad deal. And it lets you know right at the time of purchase. And right now, they're giving our listeners $20 off when you use our promo code DREWCODE at the time of checkout. So go to the link in the description or download the app. Don't forget to use our promo code DREWCODE to get $20 off your first order. And we hope to see you at the next game. So that was the week seven recap. I'm going to move on now to the week eight. So this is the top seven betting picks. So essentially I've picked seven games that are going to be played this week uh, for week eight. Uh, I'm going to give you who the favorite is by what amount. I'm going to tell you if it's over. I'm going to tell you if the team is going to win and cover, win outright, all that good stuff. So I'm going to do my best to do Drew's betting lines. I'm not great at this because I'm still fairly new into this. So I'll give you my best assumption guess, or what I think you should do. And you, you take with it what you will. So um, I did not tally up what I did last week. I will just say I probably felt under, but also too, there were some games that we all probably would have picked certain games and they went the opposite way. So, <laughs> so that's my way of getting myself off the hook. But anyway, so obviously pick number one that I'm leading off with is the Raiders versus Detroit. This is, uh, I believe in Detroit. I got to double check this before I say in Detroit, cause I could be completely wrong, which not would not be the first time. If anyone listens to me regularly knows that I am wrong pretty often. Uh, so this is in Detroit. I was right the first time told you guys can always count on me. <laughs> so the lions are favored by eight and this is in Detroit. This is Monday night football. I will have the lions uh, to win and to go over the eight point favor. And the reason why is because I think Detroit is on a, they're, they're in a mood to, to get back on track. They're going to want to set an example. They're going to want to get, some momentum, some motivation, some confidence. And I said this when the Raiders played, I believe it was against either the bills in week two. I think it was in week two. We played the bills. Uh, and this is following when the bills lost to the jets on Monday night football, that I was nervous that the bills were going to use the Raiders as the get back on track game. And sure enough, the the Bills used us to get right back on track. They beat us like 38 to 10. And then the Bills won like two or three consecutive games right after that immediately. I see that this game for Detroit is a get back on track type of game. This would be the opportune time to do so. The Raiders have not confirmed if Jimmy Garoppolo is ready to go for this Monday. They will probably put out Aiden O'Connell to start in place of Jimmy G if he is unable to go. If Jimmy G is ready to go, he will be rolled out there as normal and he will probably turn the ball over and we'll be lucky if he finishes the game uninjured. Um, Detroit though has uh, some weapons that are going to give the Raiders a hard time to handle. Uh, They've got a receiving core with Amon St. Brown, who's great. Uh, Jamison Williams are still integrating back into the offense. Uh, Jamar Gibbs, they got him running and also in the pass catching game. So that's going to be tough for us. Uh, the Lions defense is a bit underrated. Like I wouldn't say it's top 10, but it's probably like in the, you know, 15 to 20 range, but 
they have a they have a edge rusher in Hutchinson that gets after it. So he will probably have numerous sacks on the Raiders because our offensive line is not great. They will probably shut down the run because Josh Jacobs just not has not been get going, has not been has not had the same success behind essentially the same offensive line in the rushing category as he did last season, which is really unfortunate because in the passing protection, we've kind of improved. We are not giving up nearly as many sacks, but in the run offensive part of it, in our run scheme, we are awful, just absolutely terrible. Um, I believe Josh Jacobs is only averaging like 3.2 yards per carry uh, since the start of the season. That's not great uh, considering he was last year's uh, rushing leader. And also he was more involved in the passing game and he is irrelevant in both rushing and passing. So I have the lions uh, to go over and again, they're favored by eight chiefs Broncos. I think I'm just doing this game because it is an AFC West rivalry. Chiefs are favored by eight. I have the chiefs over. That one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, do I think that the Broncos are going to put up any sort of fight? No, absolutely not. Um, I believe this is also in Denver. Doesn't matter. Uh, Broncos are going to get their backsides handed to them. And, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes may have another four touchdown game. He may only have two. I see that maybe, uh, uh, Pacheco, I think that's his name. Isaiah Pacheco gets uh, some rushing touchdowns in this. Travis Kelsey probably gets a touchdown, but I see the Chiefs winning by more than eight, so I have them uh, as the over on this one. Uh, Pats versus the Dolphins. Miami, when I did these notes, was favored by nine and a half. I'm going to double check to make sure that they're still favored by that same amount. Um, Let's see, Miami and... Okay, so it's cam- it's come down a little bit. <laughs> so when I did these notes on Monday night, the Dolphins were favored by nine and a half. Now they're only favored by nine. So I still have them. I will say I have them on the over. They're going to win. And I have them on the over. Um, yeah, I think the reason why is because, look, the Dolphins are going to look to come back from a loss against the Eagles. The, pa- the Patriots offensively are not going to do great. I think Mac Jones is going to get himself into a couple of turnovers that are going to give the Dolphins extra possessions, which is what I think is going to happen is they're going to get a pretty big lead, protect that lead, and then just coast the rest of the way. Uh, I don't see this Patriots offense being an offense that can come back from a large deficit. So I have the Dolphins to uh, go over in that nine-point spread. Um, I do have in my notes here, I put the Pats to cover, but I think now with a little bit more information, I'm kind of second guessing that cover. So I'm just going to say dolphins to go over. Drew's probably saying that he would take the Dol- the Patriots to cover and that's fine. <laughs> uh, Saints and Colts Indy at this point is favored by one. Uh, is it Indy favored? Oh, they have new Orleans favored by one now. Well, I'm just going to say that the Colts are going to win or are going to just outright win. Uh, I think the Saints are going to have trouble with the Colts defense. Their defense is actually underrated and it's giving some teams a lot of issues. And I think the Saints have an offensive line that's questionable. Derek Carr, I think he's going to have some turnovers that are costly. I think the Colts are going to kind of neutralize Chris Olave and you can't really rely on Michael Thomas to be your number one option any longer. And I think that's what teams are doing to the saints is 
they're allowing Michael Thomas to get almost anything he wants because he's not nearly the threat he used to be when he was with Drew Brees when he was younger prior to all those ankle and foot and knee injuries. Now that Michael Thomas is a little bit older, still kind of working his way back to what he was pre-injury. Obviously he's lost a step and he's not nearly the same. And I think teams are recognizing that and letting him get receptions, some yards here and there, but not worried about Michael Thomas beating him. And I got to be honest, I think this Colts team has some spunk to them since Anthony Richardson got injured. And with Garner Minshew, you know, they, they should have beaten the Browns, but the Browns got some favored calls by the refs, of course, which is what cost the Indy the game. And I think Indy, this is going to be in, in, in this is, this game is going to be in Indianapolis. Wow. That is a mouthful to say. And I think the Colts are going to come out on top and I have the Colts just win outright since according to ESPN, they are the saints are favored by one. So I have the Colts outright win. Um, then we got the beer bears versus the chargers. Chargers are favored by eight and a half right now. I have the chargers to win, but I have the bears to cover. I think that the chargers defense is not great. Of course, as I'm sure as everyone is aware. Um, and I think the bears are going to find themselves in a predicament where they cannot move the ball as, as efficiently as they did against the Raiders. I think even though the Chargers and the Raiders defense are both pretty poor defenses, I think they will find that there is a better pass rush from the Chargers that is going to allow the Chargers to be able to hinder some of this Bills the the Bears offense, but I think the um Chargers are going to have their offensive struggles as well. I'm not saying this Bears defense is great or elite. I just think that because the Chargers sometimes sputter like a lot more than they should, even with Kellen Moore and with Justin Herbert, I think the Chargers will win. But that eight and a half number is pretty high for me, considering, um, you know, they don't have a great defense. So they would have to get out to a pretty big lead and hold on to that lead. And I think the Bears have nothing to lose. I mean, they're kind of in a position where if they win this game, yeah, great. But if they lose the game, they're still in a good position because they have a fairly high draft pick regardless because of the Panthers and their own draft pick. Um, but I have the Chargers to win, but the but the Bears to cover in this game. Uh, and then this is probably my uh, one of my favorite games is the Bengals versus the Niners. This is in San Francisco. Niners are favored as of right now by three and a half points. Uh, for those that did not get the news today, Sam Darnold is reported to be in line to start this Sunday because Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol. Uh, it has not been confirmed yet that uh, Brock Purdy will miss the game, but uh, Adam Schefter did report that any player that has been in concussion protocol has not been able to play the same week that they have been that they started in concussion protocol uh, at all this season. Not one player has been able to test out of it or, or whatever the case may be. So for all intents purposes, Sam Darnold is in line to start for San Francisco. Now, two weeks ago, I did another solo podcast episode as well. And I talked about how the Niners team, it looks very scary. This defense gets after it. 
Um, they have weapons everywhere. Brock Purdy is not just a system quarterback. He is a respectable quarterback and he is making this team really, really good. And I said, if the 49ers can stay healthy, they are a dangerous team. They, they are probably the favorites to win it all. If they can stay healthy because they had everything that defense, they had the offense. They even have a little bit of special teams, not a, not a great special teams, but they have a special teams that can at least, you know, in a, in a, uh, uh, you know, possession by possession game, they could pin down uh, a team in the area they need on punts or they can cover well. Um, but I think what I'm nervous about is the 49ers have now suffered a bunch of injuries all at once. Debo Samuel for all intents purposes is out for an extended period of time. Don't know when he's coming back. Christian McCaffrey did play on Monday night. Um, some say he didn't look hundred percent. He looked pretty good to me, but again, he's working with an oblique injury, which is more on the rib side of it. So depending on how comfortable, or uncomfortable he is, that's another question. Um, uh, then you got Brock Purdy now that's in concussion protocol. Don't know how long he will be in that protocol. Don't know if he'll miss only one game or two games, three games. We don't know how long on that front of it. And then you got Trent Williams, the all pro. I think he's left tackle uh, with an ankle injury. He's out for a period of time that they're not sure of. Uh, they're banged up now in the defensive side. So this Niners team now has is going through their injury bug. And now the big question is, can they get past it? Can they get healthy? Can they stay on the winning track um, in this week? I don't think so. I know that they're favored by three and a half because they're at home. I think though, the Bengals are coming off of a bye week. Joe Burrow looks more healthy. T Higgins looks healthy. Uh, uh, Jamar chase looks like Jamar chase as before. Uh, he's going against a secondary of the 49ers that is banged up. That is probably not going to do well because they struggled against Jordan Addison and Kirk cousins on Monday night. And also too, this Bengals defense is, is very, very good. Still you know, like it, the secondary is, is very tenacious. They are able to hold their assignments. They, this Bengals team looks like they're getting healthy at the right time and could get on a nice little run uh, and get some momentum. And this is a pretty big matchup against the Niners. Like this is a very big test um, that is obviously in another conference in the NFC, but they have the quarterback healthy. They have their weapons that are getting healthy. Uh, their O line is still a huge question mark. Absolutely. But Joe Burrow has been dealing with that all season, all last season. So I think he, can do his best to get through that. But I think that the Bengals are going to outright win this game in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is vulnerable right now. They have some injury questions that are probably going to get them to lose a game or two. This is probably another game that they are going to lose. They're currently on a two game losing streak as I, as I speak right now, and they possibly could be on a three-game losing streak by the time I talk to you guys next week to recap this uh, the week eight se uh, season that's going to pass us. So we shall see. But I think the Niners are in a position where they are they could possibly lose. And you got Sam Darnold that you're throwing out there. He's a former first-round pick, of course, for the New York Jets. He's bounced around to Carolina. Uh, he's got his turnover woes. So now, you know, you kind of look at Kyle Shanahan and wonder, is he truly the guy that is the quote unquote quarterback whisperer that can, uh, you know, win you games or get your quarterback, whoever you've thrown out there prepared because the system is catered towards them and whatnot. So 
It's going to be a real test. I'll tell you what, though. I'm wondering if those Niner fans are, are missing Trey Lance now since they traded him to the Cowboys instead of just having him be um, a backup. You know, like I know that Brock Purdy proved that he deserves to keep that starting job until proven otherwise, but it sounds like, you know, some may wish that Trey Lance was back because young player with the Shanahan offense. Yeah. Granted he wasn't, you know, throwing it all over the field as you anticipated, but um, you know, he did go through a pretty bad ankle injury last season that ended his season and he was working his way back with everything. So I'm wondering now if uh, some in 49er, what is it? Niner empire is missing Trey Lance, because I got to wonder if putting out Sam Darnold makes everyone comfortable or if Trey Lance would have been the better option if he was still available. So just, just a thought food for thought for someone who's on the outside looking in. Um, And then the last game here, we've got the Eagles uh, going to Washington to play the commanders. Uh, Looks like the Eagles are favored by six and a half. Now, look, this is a divisional game. The Eagles are probably flying high right now because they obviously they just beat the Dolphins at home. They're going to go on the road. It's a divisional playoff game in Washington. Uh, Washington is has been a team that gives uh, the Eagles trouble. If those remember last season when the Eagles were undefeated, I want to say they went like nine and zero at one point in the season. And then they went to. Washington or Washington played them on Sunday night football. I forgot who was on the road or who was the home team. Doesn't matter. Irrelevant. The point being is the commanders uh, beat the Eagles to make them no longer undefeated. And so the commanders have always been just a tough play for any team in the NFC. And now granted the commanders are going through their own little issues right now. They have some, they have some questionable coaching going on. A lot of rumors that maybe Ron Rivera is not going to make it through the season. Uh, even a lot of questions if Eric B is going to be back or if he's basically screwing himself out of a head coaching opportunity because this team is really not performing like they were hoping for. And I would say, you know, that's rightfully so. I figured that this commander's team would look a lot better. Now, granted, they've looked competitive, but they just don't look like that team that we were thinking could take at least a step forward and be competitive in the NFC in some form or fashion. They just seem to be a team that, uh, you know, is still trying to figure out what they are, who they are, how they play. And they've got great talent, but it seems like they don't have a good coaching or, or something to where they can't put it all together. So, you know, I know that drew always kind of wants to veer away from large spreads, uh, I think though, if I had to read his mind and I'll tell you what I'll say, I just think that the Eagles are going to win and it's going to go over the six and a half point favorite. I think that obviously Jalen hurts in this team. They're going to come prepared to NFC East rivalry game. I don't think that they're going to allow the commanders to uh, surprise them. I think the commanders are kind of going through some stuff right now to where there's, you know, they're going to, it's not going to be on the Eagles that they get back on track, so to speak. It might be a a couple of weeks before they have a game that they can, can win and get some confidence. I don't think the Eagles are going to underestimate the commanders like they did last season. So I would say the Eagles are going to win over in this game. And, uh, you know, it's a six and a half point 
favored for the Eagles. So we'll see. I mean, obviously seven points and you get the over on that, but um, we will see. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Commanders make cover. Drew would probably say the commanders would cover because it's a divisional matchup and usually uh, in division opponents play each other relatively hard and play above to the competition. So we shall see, but for the most part, I have the Eagles uh, to win over. So to recap, I have the, uh, the Raiders and, and Detroit lions on Monday night football lions are favored by eight points. I have the lions over uh, second game. I have the chiefs versus the Broncos chiefs are favored by eight points. I have the chiefs to uh, I have the chiefs over on that one as well. Uh, Pats versus the dolphins. Dolphins are favored by nine points. I have the dolphins over. And then the fourth game, it's the saints versus the Colts. Uh, saints are favored by one point. I have the Colts to outright win. Uh, fifth game, it's the Bears versus the Chargers on Sunday night football. Uh, Chargers are favored by eight and a half points. I have the Chargers to win, but the Bears to cover. Uh, number six, it's the Bengals versus the 49ers. 49ers are favored by three and a half points at home right now. I have the Bengals to outright win. And then it's the Eagles versus the Commanders in Washington. Eagles are favored by six and a half. I have the Eagles to win and to go over the spread. So anyways, guys, that is the top seven betting picks for week eight. So let me know down below how you guys do uh, in the comments. I'd love to hear how everyone shaked out and also to compare what we did last week to what you figured. And if it was close and let us know too, how you guys did last week. So um, briefly what I will talk about before I close out the show, cause I'm, I'm almost running out of time here. Uh, so I just wanted to talk about the Raiders op- or not the Raiders, excuse me, the Lakers opening night. This was on Tuesday night. I'm, as I said, I'm recording this on Wednesday night. Uh, the Lakers did play the nuggets on Tuesday night. Uh, it was a one Oh seven to one nineteen uh, victory for the Denver nuggets. This was in Denver. Uh, a couple of key points. I did want to talk about the game that I was kind of concerned with. Um, Anthony Edwards played 34 minutes. He went six for 17 from the field. He shot two threes, made one He shot 50% essentially from three point range, seven points and eight assists, uh, 17 points, eight rebounds. Pardon me. However, Anthony Edward, Anthony Davis went over six in the second half with no points. So the 17 points I read to you that he ended the game with is what he had going into halftime. He then did not have a single point following uh, the start of the second half. And that's really concerning. LeBron James finished with a, probably a LeBron James stat line is what I told Drew. You know, 21 points, eight assists, uh, or excuse me, five assists, eight rebounds, uh, one for four from three. Um, you know, a couple other things too. Uh, Austin Reeves had 14 points, Russell 11 points. Um, you had Prince that actually had a really good game. He went four of six from three point range, had 18 points on his own. So we had our starting lineup go for double digit. Everybody else had six points, seven points, seven points. Um, Denver Nuggets, though, defending champions, all their starting lineups scored more than 12 points. Jokic had the most with 29, Murray 21. Uh, Kadarius Cardwell Pope had 20. Then you had 15 by Gordon, 12 by Porter Jr. And then a you know cast of other players that contributed. But what I'm most concerned with is, again, the Lakers three-point shooting. They only shot 34.5%. Best shooter was Prince. Uh, Russell hit two out of his five threes. 
But another thing I'm really concerned with is Anthony Davis, again, only 17 points for the whole game. And it wasn't like, you know, it was seven points in the first half, 10 points in the second half. No, it was 17 points in the second, in the first half, none in the second half, only shot the ball six times in the second half. And it seemed like the Lakers did nothing to either try to get Anthony Davis going or Anthony Davis just didn't do anything to want to get going offensively. Um, and there was several points during this game last night. Uh, and again, it's opening night, first game of an 82 game season. I get it. But also too, I do want to point out, this is probably the third iteration of this Lakers team since LeBron and Anthony Davis has been on it. I was telling Drew this this morning, they are the only two players that remain on this team that won the championship in 2020. The one that was won in the infamous bubble. Um, every season since then outside of Anthony Davis and LeBron James, this team has changed in some form or fashion, whether it be by large or small scale. Um, and I think what's super concerning with that is we still have the same problem. I feel like we did really good in the off season where we got younger. We got guys that could create um, spot up shooters for, for the most part. And some players that could be pretty productive for us if done right in this offense. Problem was what I saw last night with the Denver Nuggets is I saw the Nuggets just outperform the Lakers. They have been together the longest. They look like they haven't missed a step since the Western Conference Finals when they outright swept the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And the Lakers did everything they can defensively. I wouldn't say they did everything they could offensively because that would be a lie. They Again, they made no attempt to get Anthony Davis going. They made no attempt to get Hachimura going. Uh, I know that we have Cam Reddish and, you know, a, a handful of other players. LeBron James at, what is he now, 38, 39 years old, tried doing it on his own, was down to a minute restriction, which is totally fine. But offensively, they are still not moving the ball. They look like they're stuck in mud half the time. I see no movement. I see no action. I see no, I see no uh, backdoor cuts. I see no sense of getting Anthony Davis to be the number one option when LeBron is on the bench. Um, really, really, really concerning because I think if the Lakers had a shot to go in the Western Conference, the the best test for this opening night would have been to see how you stacked up against the nuggets. And for the most part, they still handled the Lakers relatively easy. Uh, I think for the most part, the, the nuggets led a majority of this game comfortably. They led by 14 at the end of, of the first quarter. And, you know, they were outscored the following two quarters, but it didn't, erase the original 14 point lead and they ended up outscoring the Lakers by at least uh, five, I think in the final quarter and just outshot them uh, out hustled them just looked like the better team. Now, granted they've been together longer than the Lakers. I don't know. Maybe the Lakers still need to work on gelling together or, or, or whatever the case may be. But I think what I'm concerned with, and I brought this up to drew is this seems like this is, an offense again, that doesn't know what it wants to do. A uh, large part is because LeBron James 
had this a majority of his rosters custom built to where he has playmakers to where he could create opportunities for others where he has the ball goes to the lane, you know, distributes a shot goes up or, you know, you know, he can give the ball to somebody they can create offense and then give him a break or whatever the case may be. But we look at some teams in the NBA that, that move the ball. Like the Kings move the ball really well. The Suns move the ball pretty well. I mean, they've got a lot of one-on-one guys, but you know, the Suns also played against the golden state warriors the same night and they were moving the ball really well. Devin Booker looked great moving the ball uh, to Kevin Durant to the all to the new collection of players that they added um, during the off season, especially with the trade with uh, Deandre Ayton and the Damian Lillard trade that was all meshing pretty well. Um, you know, the nuggets are probably the prime example of ball movement. The warriors are for sure with, even with Chris Paul being a new addition into that offense, that ball was moving. It did not stand still. It was not a lot of ISO ball. The Lakers, the Lakers offense looks like it is pass the ball once or twice, one-on-one dribbling, put up a shot and wherever it goes, I don't see a lot of movement. I don't see a lot of screening. I may see some pick and roll action, but then I see some poor passing. I don't see any movement. Once the, uh, once the player who's rolling to the basket, who gets the ball back is kind of stopped in their tracks. I don't see any movement from that. So I guess what I'm concerned with is the Lakers just have this, poor offense. That's kind of been the same for the last at least two seasons. It has not looked great last year. When we started with Russell Wilson, it or Russell Westbrook, excuse me, it looked really bad. And then we got rid of him, added some players. Then it looked like it was moving a little bit better. And last night, like it was moving. Okay. But not at a championship level movement. Like it looks like we've gotten this team good enough to where second round is probably our expectations or should be unless we get into a first round bid against a better team than us, like the Suns, let's say Uh, the Kings, I would say are probably maybe a little bit better suited than we are just because they're younger. They've got better shooters than we do and they're fast. Um, So we'll see. I just wanted to say though, not a great first night for the Lakers. I probably won't talk about every single game they have for every 82 game for every game that they do. And that's 82 games for this season. I'm not going to do that, but I did just think to just see where the Lakers are at for opening night. I just wanted to say they have a lot of work to do. It's the first game of the season. Thankfully the nuggets though, look like they haven't missed a step. Like even though there was an off season, they look like that they haven't stopped playing basketball since then. And they looked crisp. They look really good. And to think about it, that they are still working out in terms of conditioning, uh, rotations, and they looked really, really good. And the Lakers look like they have a lot of work to do still. And granted, it's the first game of the season, so we'll see how the rest of the season plays out for them. But, you know, hopefully they can shape up because this West looks really, really competitive with some of the additions that they had. And, um, you know, the Lakers are going to need every bit of some type of innovative offense to compete with teams like this and to keep up because some of these teams will just outscore them. Like I know the Lakers were the highest defensive rated team post trade deadline last season and into the playoffs, but that's great. But you still need a, you still need a lot of offense to compete with some of these teams that are just absolutely unloading the three ball. And when it's going, you need some sort of counter for that. And I hope the Lakers find it. So 
anyways, that was a little bit longer of a divulge of the Lakers than I was hoping for, but it is what it is. Um, you know, opening night had some thoughts about it and I want to get it out. So that was it. So anyways, guys, I appreciate everyone sticking around and listening to this episode. Again, it was a solo one. Drew, uh, is essentially starting, uh, the basketball season as, as he said to everyone last week. So I will keep you guys updated with any new and exciting Sanger West boys basketball updates. Um, and again, just continue to show some love and support over to drew and that program as well. I know that he is super excited. We are super excited for him and, uh, you know, I, whatever we can do to show our support, please do so. Um, so I will bid you guys a farewell and a good night. And thank you for listening. Uh, please go and and subscribe to the podcast wherever podcasts are available iheart apple spotify google podcasts please go subscribe to us there uh, i would be also super appreciative if you guys can leave us a review and a comment on the podcast episode you are listening to or on the show itself it's really cool to see you know that feedback so that way we know what we can do to get better and also too to hear if you guys are liking it or not uh, please be careful though because we are really sensitive creatures and i don't know if i can handle failure but uh if you guys could go leave a review you that'd be that'd be awesome and then um on our youtube channel please go and subscribe to the youtube channel you know if you like any of the videos please leave a comment like them share them if you guys feel like it's worthy enough i try to post on there pretty often so if you guys see any new videos uh you know please give us a like and a, and a, and a comment and also subscribe to the YouTube channel, trying to grow the channel a little bit more. So new subscribers would be phenomenal at this point. So please go and do that. And also a big shout out to FNX fit fanatics and SeatGeek. again, all the promo codes and all the links to the special links that help support our podcast by supporting them are listed down below in the episode. So please go and click on those fanatics as everyone knows is the world's leader or is the essentially the leader in sports uh, merchandise and team gear and all that other stuff. So if you guys have a favorite team and you guys want to get any other merchandise or custom stuff, please go visit uh, fanatics.com. Use our special link to get there. So that way we do get a little bit of something back. If you guys purchase off of that link, that'd be awesome. And then uh, SeatGeek, if, for those that don't know, if you guys are looking to go to a concert or a sporting event or whatever the case may be, they sell tickets on their app and they actually will rate them one to 10. It'll give you a green if it's a great seat or a red if it's a bad seat with a bad price. So feel free to go through that and purchase any of your tickets for any of your events you guys want to go to and use Drew code to get $20 off that first order and then uh fnx fit is probably our longest partner uh if you guys are trying to get into the fitness game or trying to you know get healthy get back on track if you guys are uh elite athletes and you guys are looking for that next step in your performance visit fnx fit you got phenomenal supplements i currently use the protein powder and drew and i both have the creatine and they also have other great stuff as well so i highly recommend checking them out and if you use our promo code drew code 15 you guys get 15 percent off of that product and that company so please go use our special link and our discount code so that way you guys can get yourself something and we can get ourselves something you know what i'm saying so appreciate you guys for listening and also one last thing please go visit drewcodesportstalk.com all of our episodes uh, our videos our social media content links to literally everything i just said is on that website and it'll allow you guys to literally click one thing and you guys can go to any of our stuff so you guys can follow us subscribe to us download our show whatever it is go visit drewcodesportstalk.com and 
on the site, you can buy merch as well. So it's available there. I won't spend any more time on that, but go check it out. We'd appreciate it if you guys did support us and got yourself a t-shirt. That'd be nice. So thank you guys so much for listening to me. I will see you guys next week with a recap of all the NFL stuff and NBA stuff and any other sports news that comes up. I look forward to getting to hear from all you guys as well. And I will see you guys next time. So thanks for listening. 